Hi, this is Colin from Worse in the Industry. We have a lot of laughs on our show, and we get in some pretty heated topics, so it's important to remember that the views expressed by the hosts of Worse in the Industry are our own, and in no way are representations of the views held by the Planet Ant Podcast Network or Planet Ant as an organization, even when we're right. Yell at us, not them. Thanks, and enjoy the show. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. So there's this now defunct podcast called Competitive Erotic <laughs> Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction. And there is an episode uh, featuring Matthew Bronger, one of my favorite uh, comedians, Matt Bronger, B-R-A-U-N-G-E-R. And he does um, an erotic fan fiction about the Bakers, <laughs> about Jim and Tammy Faye. <laughs> you don't need and a fan fiction about that. It's, well, it is, um, uh... That's almost as good as the one about Owen Wilson and his wife fucking on top of their dead dog. Wow, I'm gonna come. Wow, this dog's so dead. Wow. This is a follow-up to the one starring Mayor McCheese and the Hamburglar that ends in Mayor McCheese's death. Why don't you rival on that for a while? And his balls, his, his shallot onions, his balls were, were two actual shallot onions. It's Kyle Kinane, one of the America's greatest comedic voices. Speaking of balls that are shallot onions. Speaking what, that is, somehow, you came up with a worse segue. They pay me for good segues. This is what I do, Justin. We don't pay you at all. I None know. None of us are getting paid. But listen, listen. Speaking of an ooey-gooey food caboose, this week, Tyler's this- talking about... <laughs> This is the podcast, and the entire podcast is dedicated to terrible segues. Okay, that's my job. Yeah, We're mine only has worst segues in the industry. Worst segues in the industry. It's, it's worst, what I do. Worst in the segues. Uh, you know, when, when Colin was, was talking about defunct podcasts, I thought you were going to be like, "So this is defunct co- podcast called Worst in the Worst in the Industry." Yeah, we're uh, by the way, everybody. We we're are done now defunct this episode. podcast. Worst yeah. in the industry. Yeah, we are all quitting. Um, we are not going to pursue individual goals. We are just going to live pursue our lives. Litigation yeah, pursue litigation, and we are going to sue each other until the end of time. I'm yeah, we're like the misfits. I'm going to pursue a hermitage in the Appalachian Mountains, and I'm going to raise goats. I'm Jerry Only, and Tyler is Glenn Danzig. Hey, I'm Glenn makes, Danzig. Which makes Justin the <laughs> bassist that they kicked out for being a drunk. Oh, I thought I got to be Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein. <laughs> nah, he's cool. Why would you kick your bassist out for being a drunk? That's like, that's like one of the reasons why you become a bass player is because you're a drunk. Uh, well, Glenn Dance, because he was getting too drunk. He was getting so drunk he like wasn't showing up to like rehearsals. Sounds like a bass player. I mean, not I'm when you're trying player. to be at a successful bass. 
No, no, no. That's you. You get you get successful, and then you get to be the drunk. That's you get to, you Colin. Get the drug that at shows. Colin. That's rock and roll, buddy. It's rock and that's roll. That's fucking rock and roll. Just like kidnapping a fourteen-year-old. That's just rock. Speaking and roll. of kidnapping a fourteen-year-old, <laughs> Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start the show. I guess I guess that's the segue I'm going with because I don't think they're getting better tonight. Hey, hi, hello, everyone, and welcome once more to another episode of Worst in the Industry, the podcast, uh, where these three missing brownies from the pan attempt to sneak our way into your low-calorie diet with our delicious trans fats of truth. My name is Justin St. Peter, and I have absolutely zero understanding of nutrition and only recently started eating vegetables regularly. To my left. Colin Stanley, fat but not trans. To my left. Tyler, and I'm a corner piece. Because you're crispy all around. Yeah. Yeah, so, part three. Yeah, like, you're so excited <laughs> about that. Yeah, this, is, this is part three, uh, now of four. Kill me. Kill me. Of televangelism. It's... I, okay, so I was expecting this to be a two-parter. I'm like, alright, you know, I can get, you know, half an episode on this guy, half an episode on this guy, and then, like, I, c- I could finish it up in three and then I started writing, and I made an entire episode about one of the guys. And today we are talking about Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Ooh, yeah. Let's, yeah, this going to be a good one. There's a song by a, um, I think the term is sadcore uh, artist called Nicole Dolenganger called tammy Faye, and i mm. let's can we reach out and see if we get the rights to play that for the episode yeah i'll uh, i'll have my people call their people thank you tyler thank that's you, colin tyler. colin's your people i'm the people i will yeah colin's, so you call colin's the one with his name i on the will paperwork. dm her so, on twitter and ask very politely <laughs> yep all right so jim <laughs> james olsen baker Ooh. yeah Jimmy yeah. Olsen. Jimmy, yeah. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen Baker. So, and his his initials are J.O. Baker. J.A. <laughs> oh, or, sorry, yeah, it's J- J.O. So how the fuck do you spell Olsen with, yeah, with an A? You, don't, uh, you can't do that. Colin, Colin, I had to finish up this episode today, and you'll understand when I get to the end of this episode why I needed to drink while I was doing it. Yeah, by the way, weird. everybody, I've stopped drinking on weekdays, and by that I mean I've stopped drinking beers and I've switched to seltzers. It's the same percentage. There's just less calories. There's just less calories and less sugar. So Jim Baker was actually born in Muskegon, Michigan. Hey man, what's up with all these fuckers coming from Michigan? Something's I wrong know. with our state, man. There's a uh, lot Jan- wrong with our state. We January just make s- Nazis. We do. January second, nineteen forty. Um, both of his parents were Pentecostals. Surprise, surprise. They were strict, but not as strict as most people of that faith. Um, and they, Because they were, like, allowed to, like, watch TV and stuff. Da- like, could they oh, dance? Okay. Yeah, you uh, know, they, no. they only beat them, like, and, once a week if they listen to music. And to listeners out there, if you don't know what a Pentecostal is, watch Footloose. <laughs> watch Footloose. That, or put that whole time. Your- Put on your 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 snow your time travel goggles and go back to my teenage years when I was forced to go to church. Yep. 
Foot Footloose. Footloose. Kevin Bacon's second best movie. Kick off your Sunday's shoes. As we all know, Kevin Bacon's first best movie is Tremors, as we all know. Oh, yeah, 100%. Tremors, a.k.a. Dune for smart people. Mm -hmm. Um, No reaction from Justin on that one. Just fucking dead eye. The hands fell right off the wheel as soon as you said that. It's... Um, so his father was a machinist at a piston ring factory, um, and his mother was a stay-at-home mom, which is typically what people did in the 40s and 50s. Especially um, his, his parents weren't rich, but they weren't what you would call, like, poor. Uh, he said about his early life that he assumed his parents were incredibly poor, which, judging by their first house, which was a small, almost no-windowed concrete living quarters that was painted an ugly shade of orange. Um, I wouldn't say that's a terrible observation for an eight-year-old to have. Um, but eventually, they would get a actually very spacious and beautiful house, complete with a grand piano in the front room. Um, because, you know, this was post-world war ii and if you were white you could like stumble into owning a giant beautiful house yeah because you know this was the quote-unquote middle class the thing the thing that never really existed and like doesn't definitely exist anymore nowadays it came closest to existing then yes yep um so one of the things uh him and his friends did every sunday when he was growing up when he was uh you know no. Um, what, what they did every Sunday is, in a Pentecostal church, parents are separated from the children for, you know, to do everything in the church. Um, whether that be, like, Sunday school, or eventually you, you know, get a little bit older and you go to the actual sermons. Um, so he would sneak off with the other boys and hang out at the local soda fountain and come back when service was over. Hot dog, a little bit of a... We only got five minutes to finish these egg creams. Yeah, right? A little bit of a rebel. Oh, I can't finish? <laughs> I can't finish it too quick. I'm too busy flipping this dime on the corner. <laughs> With a toothpick in my mouth. So I actually, I actually like genuinely feel kind of bad for uh, Jim Baker as a child because it's like, uh, it's like, it's like when a, when a, you hear about a serial killer's childhood and like you can feel bad about a, the child version of that person. You know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, Henry Lee Lucas was like horribly abused, but he's still a yeah, fucking exactly. Psychopath. Um, so um, I'm gonna like go ahead and let everybody know right now that there are two parts in this episode that uh, trigger warning involves sexual abuse. Um, so just letting y'all know. Um, one of the th- uh, a traumatic experience in his life came when he was 11. Uh, someone. Re- he refers to as Russell, who was in his early 20s, asked his parents to take him to go get a burger after church. Yeah, there's never... This is this is the rule that we learn in true crime. Second locations are bad. Yeah. So, also, uh, also, I have a question. Who the fuck is just like, yeah, strange man? Yeah, You can just take our child... No, 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 no. I don't give a fuck what, chi- what time it is. Like, child predators have existed as long as there have been children. Yeah, but don't, this was ni- you... this this was 1951. Par- like adults, like you could trust what? like trusted what? adult. Like they're like that's an adult. We can trust them. What fucking purpose would there be to a grown man asking a child to go get a burger other than molesting? Albert what? Fish. 
Albert, Albert Fish, Fish is a great Albert example. Fish. When he abducted Grace Bud before he ate her succulent ass, before that happened, <laughs> he came to the Bud household and he brought strawberries and pot cheese. And, and he was like, hey, can I take your daughter to my, my niece's birthday party? Yeah, we're on Staten Island, so I talk like this. And, and they're like, yeah, sure, you're, you got a weird pinky ring. Go ahead, old gray man who is the eyes of an animal. So, of course, some 22-year-old you probably know because it's fucking 1951 and the only people you know are the people that live in, like, a five-mile radius of you. So, like, yeah, of course, I know this guy or I know a member of his family. So, of course I trust him. Yeah, give him, bring my kid. Give him a burger. He needs it. He's fucking annoying and I want to stuff my wife. So, um... Uh, <laughs> so, so, am I the bad guy? Because I'm like, yeah, get him out of the house. So, um, his parents didn't think it was weird because it, this was uh, 1951, and apparently bad things didn't happen in 1951. Um, this would begin a years-long sexual assault. Like, at least four years. Minimum. Um, Russell would, like, hire Jim to come to his house and like mow his lawn and shit and then he would just like fucking come out and fucking fondle his dick and shit oh it's john wayne um, gacy okay but jim he wrote about this in in his book or one of his books i should say um he lamented the attention he absolutely loved it because he and he just kind of like thought this is like this is like he like wrote like one of the quotes from the book was like this is what like big guys do this is just kind of what happens yeah. So lamented like, doesn't what... mean that. Did he wait? Did he like it or did he not? Like what he did he liked say? it? Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was confused. No, he liked it. Okay. He he thought he thought that it was like normal. He's like, I I guess this is just what guys do when they're friends when they're this age uh russell was in his early 20s at this was point he, was this guy just also feeding him like classical greek literature like he yes, probably this grew, he groomed him uh, he 100 percent grew like um you talk but, like people who yeah, used he, to be no, they were, no, I, when they were like but, people who were molested because they were like went to catholic school right they talk about it. they go like i was molested and i turned out fine like just happen yeah. people just get molested and then you go down to the fucking soda fountain like that's just that's your day yeah so um eventually it stopped uh when he was about 15 ish uh presumably because russell was a pedophile and jim started getting too old for his taste you know um but one of the things that really struck out to me is jim's uh constant loneliness throughout his entire life he really never had many friends, like, close friends until he got to high school, and it shows later in his life when things start to fall apart for him. Um, and his loneliness, I feel, has something to do with his parents, because his dad was constantly working, and a friend of the Bakers, like a family friend, someone who came over their house quite a bit, she would say later on, like, I went over to the baker's house a lot, and his mother maybe said ten words the entire time I knew her. So something was going on there. We don't really know. 
Um, but eventually, he found his passion. He started spinning records as a DJ at parties and setting up variety shows. His classmates at the time corroborated these claims, saying that everyone like, liked him. And at this time, his drama teacher at his school thought that Jim had a real shot at becoming an actor. So he, he decided to become a song and dance man? No, he, uh, he was, he kind was of. spinning records. Like Dr. Dre, he was like, do you guys want to hear the Dracula rap? <laughs> <laughs> but, um... <laughs> and like i i don't disagree that he could have had a actual like shot at becoming an actor because he's like very commanding when he's on screen like Great when he presence. talks when he talks you listen to him like he just has a very good presence um but so he could have easily done that but he, instead he became one of the biggest pieces of shit to ever walk the earth so let's talk about the time that jim baker almost killed a toddler that, all right, yeah, do let's. Tyler, you just really dropped. I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying to, like, roll with the punches here, man, but just wasn't expecting this. So uh, his senior year of high school, 1958, he cut out of Sunday night church service and went for a joyride in his father's 1953 Cadillac with a girl from church. Oh. They, listen, they listen to rock and roll. Oh, yeah. Oh, On the little sluts. Yeah, on the way back in, Jim accidentally ran over three-year-old Jimmy Summerfield. After this, Jim quit being a DJ and went home and just, like, read the Bible all all day, all night. Read the Bible. What and happened he said, to kid? Well, I mean, at least he's showing remorse. Kid, kid lived, and he said... Why was the kid on the road at night? Just listen. He wasn't in the road. It was uh, pulling into the parking lot of the church at night. I'll get, I'll get to it, don't worry. Um, but as as he said, in one of the most boring and most terrible books in the entire Bible, uh, Acts. Yeah. <sighs> fucking hate Acts. Acts is where Pentecostalism comes from. Yep. Yep, that's where the uh, verse talking about people speaking in tongues comes from. They that's love like, that shit. They fucking love Acts. Um, one of the verses in Acts uh, 1042 stuck out to him. As he commanded us to preach. And he said that God was calling him to start a ministry. Now, what actually happened? Uh, He ran over this kid in 1956. It wasn't his senior year of high school. It was his sophomore year of high school. He was 16. Jim and his cousin, not a girl from church, pulled into the parking lot while Jimmy, the kid, was sliding down a snowbank. Like, the kid was outside playing. He slid down a snowbank. And he slid into, you know, the entrance to the church. And Jim was pulling into the church at the same time. Uh, He ran over the kid, leaving a tire mark across his chest. The kid suffered a broken collarbone and a ruptured lung. He did live, though, and made a full recovery. Okay. Um, And this was described as a very trying moment for Jim. But it's not as he represented. Uh, He continued on spinning records. His favorite was Fats Domino and continued to make variety shows. He used this a lot in his preaching and said, like, oh, my senior year. And this was like a big changing moment in my life. It's not what fucking happened. It was his sophomore year. He was 16. He still did all this. Like he was, you know, the, the whole born again Pentecostal bullshit of like, you know, something happened. I changed. I turned around. It didn't. Whatever. Um. So, from here, Jim decided to go on to North Central Bible College. But Jim was lacking what he needed most when he got there, and that 
was attention. He started a local program called Rock for Teens and became a traveling evangelist um, while still going to school. When he came home for Christmas, his freshman year of college, he told his girlfriend at the time that he wanted to start a TV ministry. He said, quote, I want to do something different. I want a female partner. Nobody's done that. He's looking for a hook. He's looking for a hook, exactly. He's looking for a... a, He wants a shtick. He's looking for a thing that sets him out. Yeah, he's like Glenn Danzig. He's like, what if I dressed up as a skeleton? What if I just... Glenn, Glenn, your shtick is being short. What if I just (laughs) cut the... What if I cut the Glenn out and just become Danzig? What if I cut out the Glenn? What if we named the band Danzig? You know, you could, you like, could never like me, Glenn, Glenn Danzig. So uh, a little while Danzig. after that, he what saw for the first time one of his fellow classmates. Naked. Tammy LaValle. Oh. Quote, oh, quote, that's her name. Spell her last name for me. Tammy LaValle. LaValle. L-A-V-A-L-L-E-Y. Yep, LaValle, yep. So he said about her, quote, my neck almost broke as I turned to watch her walk away. She was absolutely the cutest girl I had ever seen. She was wearing white socks, gym shoes, and a stiff purple crinoline skirt, even without makeup. Even she was a little doll. She was, oh, she was, that's a, oh, what a wonderful and objectifying way to describe mm-hmm. a woman. Now push them together. So, mm, oh, Jim. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't Why don't you slide? Your... Don't titty fuck the camera. Why don't you go ahead and slide that summer sausage between my sweater meat? For the folks at home, uh, Colin Colin has successfully managed to uh, tie his shirt into a crop top where I failed, uh, and has begun squeezing his her suit breasts together. Cure suit is the operative term. <laughs> Tammy uh, grew up incredibly poor in Minnesota. And when I say incredibly poor, I mean incredibly poor. Well, at least she oh, was, yeah, she, like she, couldn't even afford deer tags poor. She at least she old, was cheese rich. She was the oldest of eight in a house without indoor plumbing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't super uncommon in mid-century in America. It was getting less common, but... I, I had uh, family that grew up in houses without windows. Like, like um, in Tennessee, it's like, oh yeah, we don't have a floor. The floor is dirt. That's how this. We works. just had hole. One of my so, my grandma, she didn't have shoes until she was in double digits. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna quote the Chicago the Chicago Tribune, which Chicago, I actually use Chicago. as one of my main sources for my research. So, quote. Only later did Baker discover, as he put it. That Tammy lived in a hillbilly's house and wasn't a spoiled little rich kid. Her parents had divorced when she was still an infant. She had been raised by her mother and stepfather, a paper mill worker. She had followed a fiancé to Bible school, but had severed the engagement soon after they arrived. The two saw each other almost daily. They ice skated. They worshipped each together. Their friends thought they looked cute with each other. Baker and Tammy to, went to meet his parents in Muskegon. They spent much of the trip under a blanket in the back seat of his sister Donna's car. Doing hand make, stuff. Making out. Baker wasn't shy about sex. Once, Ugh. 
slipping his underwear off before an evening out with Tammy, Baker explained to a friend that it helped him get more aroused when he brushed up against his date. He's pulling the fucking strip club move on a date? Fucking, this guy is a fucking pervert. That's coming from me. It's And he's from yeah. Muskegon, so it's, oh yeah, I love it when my, my half-mast, I love it when my half-masted cock rubs up against my closed zipper. But I can't even feel it because my fucking bush is so goddamn huge. <laughs> So Jim and Tammy wanted to get married, but because of the Bible school they went to, they weren't allowed to get married while class classes were going. Yeah, because people I don't try, know. probably get married weird. all the fucking time there because it's like. Yeah, fuck. because then they could find. Just Jim's fuck. like, I but, wanna come like um, the Dickens, but I know I, I. Sorry, he wouldn't say yep. come. He would say something worse. He would say he's like, oh, I wanna I, spill I, my I wanna seed. explode. No, it would be worse. It's gotta be like. I've seed faith, Tammy. I wanted to mansplode since the first time we met. <laughs> it's you know what? I feel like Jim Baker would use I'm the sure phrase hot sauce. <laughs> I feel I feel like he had done that a lot in his pants without underwear on quite a bit on You know, I've I've been I've painted, you know, two, three, maybe ten coats. On the inside of my pants since we've been seeing each other, Tammy. Oh, on the inside just of my pants. Just like trousers. a shellac. Just crispy. Oh, and, uh, these, these chinos, they stand up on their own. At this he, point. I bet he sands it down before a date. So oh, you gotta, so... you gotta break them in. I, I flap them so, like a um, towel on a clothesline. And then they just shatter against my fucking knee. So what he would... <laughs> What they would do from here is because they couldn't get married. They both did the logical thing. They dropped out of school and went and got married. You don't don't just wait. So they both dropped out. Keep this in mind, listeners. They dropped out of Bible college like one year in. Less than a year in. I've been that Uh, bad for I've been that crazy for pussy. I've done some dumb things. It's I mean I dropped out for worse reasons. Yep, so. so No, no, it's important for his later work as a televangelist. He has had half a year of Bible college. So... Bible college. And they started... They started traveling around the country as evangelist preachers. Um, And they had, like, a relatively successful, like, traveling show, uh, including puppet shows for the kids and tent revivalism for the parents. Good to go. Uh, to quote the Chicago Tribune again, quote, Jim Baker had a polished his soul-saving tale of redemption for the grown-ups. Here I am, a one-time rock-and-roll disc jockey, the driver who nearly crushed the life out of a toddler, saved by the Lord. Look what Christ can do for you. The story of Jimmy Summerfield was a climax of Jim's crusade. It got results, a stream of men, women, and children rising from their seats, walking to the altar and committing themselves to the Lord. But what happened next would be a defining moment for Jim and Tammy. They were driving down a highway in Virginia. Their 28-foot trailer came off the hitch, careened into a telephone pole. Tammy broke down in front of the congregation sobbing said lord 
I don't know what you have in mind, but I give up. I surrender to your will. Jim broke down too. And as they put it, an unbelievable revival broke out. And people got out of their seats and gave their hearts to the Lord. A wealthy couple in the audience said, They didn't have any money. He needed help. He kept weeping during the service. That wrenched my heart. That couple approached them and offered to buy them new clothes and a new car. When they went out to do this with Jim, they brought, or they bought Jim and Tammy entirely new wardrobes. All new clothes. When the husband suggested, hey, let's go get you a Chevy, let's go get you a Ford, let's go get you a reliable, nice car, you know? Jim said he'd actually like a Lincoln. Hey, go to town. Well, you know, if you're passing them out. Yep. Uh... Yeah, uh, the, wife, the wife said, quote, My husband told him he didn't think he was ready for that. Jim never got the car. And the couple came away appalled at Jim's attitude. This guy's, Jim Baker, like, obviously I know who Jim Baker is, and I, like, I know the later stuff <laughs> but um he said right now he reminds me so much of the founder of the children of god cult like the way he's acting and like the mm-hmm. point in his life where he's like that early like traveling preacher thing that the the children of god founder did and like the weird like sexual peccadillos and like the weird fucked up relationship with his uh mom and the childhood molestation, like, this all seems like it's going to turn into a dad is a sexy guy kind of situation. Almost. Almost, but not quite. Oh, I, not, I know Tyler. So, eventually, like, traveling around and, like, you know, making a name for themselves as Pentecostal, you know, tent revivalist preachers, got up a spot on Pat Robertson's CBN. Christian Broadcast Network? Christian Broadcast Network. There, they had a children's variety show Ugh. called Come On Over. Uh, involving a, like, puppet routine and, like, you know, just kind of, like, kid, you know, the indoctrination bullshit. Um, Come On Over, in parentheses, my asshole. That's, that's the you up of 1950s. <laughs> so... <laughs> dude! Dude! Pedophilic <laughs> puppet shows? <laughs> Puppet show is what I call it when I take my underwear off so, for a date. So it was incredibly successful, actually. And because of that, Robertson started a new show called The 700 Club. Baker at the helm. The 700 Club started with Jim Baker. Jim and Tammy would go on to leave CBN. And eventually started the Trinity Broadcasting Network with fellow televangelist Paul and Jan Crouch. But the partnership only lasted eight months due to a falling out, resulting in Jim and Tammy leaving the network. Because Jim wanted somebody to spit in his asshole every okay. day. It's part of his writer. He's going to say, somebody fucked somebody's Probably. wife. So, from, from here, they moved to Charlotte, North Carolina and started the PTL Club. Pedophi- which was a television show after league. starting the uh pass the loot pass Same thing. the loot as in L- give me no, the loot I, 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 I need the loot L-U-T-E. 
No, that's 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 what his uh his critics called the PTL network is the pass the loot because all. But the it was the pedophilic tale of Angelus League, so I appreciate that that was the real name. Yep. Um. So they started this show and they started the PTL satellite network, and this was one of the first satellite like TV networks that could be accessed throughout the country. Um. And they would go on about their usual televangelist goings-on of begging for money that they certainly didn't have, tears streaming down Tammy's face, and all of her gaudy fucking makeup getting ruined, while constantly buying houseboats, Rolls Royces, jewelries, and astronomically expensive clothes. Were they buying houses and boats, or houseboats? Love a houseboat. Houseboats. They had, they had enough houses. I like a houseboat. They had enough. They they had enough houses. They, they needed, needed a house boats. that they could take to their other coastal homes. If we were this age, in mm-hmm. like the fifties or sixties, we would all live together on a houseboat. Dude, I still might live on a houseboat. I, we could honestly, live on a houseboat it's still right viable now. for us in Michigan to do that. We could do that. Yeah, fuck yeah. We got beers. How always many cold. fucking? Ju- we got a million beers fucking always lakes. Always beers always cold. We can just throw them in the lake. Beer floats, baby. Beer floats, ah. right? Um, <laughs> so, especially in the just winter when the it's oven. all enough. <laughs> uh, drill a hole in the bottom of the boat to ice fish because we're fucking stupid, and we just get a big cork to yeah. put in it when when the ice melts. We're a bunch of Polish people. We'd put a yeah, for ice fish exception to that. So, oh yeah, you're not a Polak. Just a dirty French. Uh, so, among in, other things, in 1978. <laughs> In 1978, they went on to found Heritage USA. Do you guys know so what Heritage, Heritage USA is? is the same thing? No, no. So Heritage USA ended up being the third most popular theme park in the country, only behind Disney World huh. and Disneyland. The theme park? Massive. I've never even heard of this place. Theme park? Yeah, it's Somebody now got defunct. Their head cut off but by a roller coaster, I'm sure. It was no. You, we'll find oh, out. The, doing fine. oh, the um, child pit underneath the park. That's what done them in. But by 1986, there was an annual visitor count of around six million people and 2,500 employees. This place was massive. The facilities included a 501-room Heritage Grand Hotel, the attraction Main Street USA an indoor shopping complex, the Heritage Village Church, a 400-unit campground, the Jerusalem Amphitheater, conference facilities, King's Castle, a skating rink, prayers and counseling service, uh, cable television production studios, Bible and evangelism school, visitor retreat housing, staff and volunteer housing, timeshares at the Heritage Island Water Park, and other recreational facilities. This place was fucking massive. And I am, like, genuinely surprised that I've never heard anybody that, like, was alive around then. Like, yeah, 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 Heritage USA. It was the third big... It was above, like, Six Flags and, like, other shit. It was was above fucking, like, Cedar Point. Cedar Point was around then. Like, Six Flags, like, all of these big... It was the third biggest theme park only behind Disney World and Disneyland. The evangelical community is so fucking insular. Like... Yes, they preach, and they travel around, and they go on the news, and they go on their television shows, and they go on the radio, but they're insular. That's the whole point. 
it's the thing that Mormons do, where Mormons will send yeah. people out on mission so that they get brutalized by non-believers, so that they come back to the church and like they're more grateful for the church because nobody else shares their views, and the people that don't are assholes. That's that's why you don't know about it, Tyler, because your family just or you just didn't know enough evangelicals. If you knew more, that's you would have so. known about it. They're just they don't they don't talk about that shit. They I guess so. They stick to themselves because you live in sin. Yep. So at this time, Jim was going on his show and selling one thousand dollars. One, <laughs> you send me one thousand dollars. Selling I'm Jim. I'm Jim Baker. Okay. No, no, you. So he was selling one thousand dollar lifetime memberships. You send me one thousand dollars. You get a lifetime membership to Heritage USA, which is a three day stay per year at the Grand Hotel, one of the, you know, the five hundred room hotel. They would go on to oversell this like airplanes to one hundred and sixty five thousand people. Do the fucking math. Three days out of the year, 165,000 people's in a 500-room hotel. Can't do it. 165,000? It's impossible. 165,000 memberships. We got about 15 seconds till the smoke comes out of his ears. (laughs) Yep. Well, if they all stayed for a day, I mean, if... They all stayed for... It's three days per So that would be 330 people per room. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh man. So now let's talk about his personal secretary, Jessica Hahn. She was twenty-one years old at the time, and she worked as basically like you know, like a just like a personal secretary for Jim and Tammy. Uh she was ecstatic that she got to work for him because she grew up watching him and loved his work. Um, like, she grew up Pentecostal, she grew up watching him, she, you know, this dude was, like, Mr. fucking, Banker, like, Walt just, Disney, uh, like, you know. Was... Um, in 1980, she was sent out to, uh, fly to Clearwater, Florida, to watch Jim's kids while he was doing his, like, usual, like, revivalist bullshit. Uh, she was picked up from the airport and brought to the hotel by John Wesley Fletcher, another televangelist. Once she got to the hotel, only Jim oh, was there. Jim. He shoved, he shoved, I, I, no. He shoved a glass of wine in her hand, and this is what happened next. I'm going to read you her account. I kept telling them I didn't feel good after the wine. Don't worry, you'll be fine. You're just tired. A lot of what they were doing didn't make sense. Baker she said was acting very hyper he was rubbing his thighs a lot and like like let's get down to business jim was rubbing his hands together they were kidding and joking with each other him and the other televangelist but then baker got very like tranquil for a moment like very relaxed like he does on tv when he cries and he told me he didn't know what he was going to make of it meanwhile john was telling jim Tell her, tell her what your problems are. Maybe she can help you. Han said she felt like shouting, I can't help. I don't even know this man. But what was in my head wouldn't come out of my mouth. By then, if John Fletcher 
had told me to stand out on the terrace and jump, I probably would have done it. That's how I felt. Baker was complaining about his problems with the FCC, she said. But she remembered him saying, the biggest problem of all is Tammy's not with me. She's not, she's made me feel very belittled. I don't know how I will come out of it. I don't feel like a man. I feel like I don't amount to anything, he said. He said he wasn't sexually satisfied, and he wasn't satisfied with her, and he wasn't satisfied with him. Fletcher knocked on the door, and he handed Jessica Hahn a bottle of Vaseline Intensive Care Lotion. Jim likes back rubs. Keep that little yellow bottle all these years. Baker told her, I really do need to know I'm somebody. He started to pull me close, and I said, I really do need to know I'm somebody. I've been going through hell. I wanted not to believe it. I told him I've never been with a man. I knew something was taking place, but I didn't feel in control of the situation. The first thing he did was pull off the bedspread. I remember him saying, I hate bedspreads. He pulled me over to him and said, I really think you can help me. I was trying to push him away. I said, why don't you just hire somebody? Those are my words exactly, he said. You can't trust anybody. Han then detailed, detailed an encounter that she said didn't stop for what seemed like an hour and a half, and I just couldn't stand him. I wanted to pull his hair out. Afterwards, he used her hairbrush to straighten up and recalled, said, look, see ya. She climbed into the shower and threw up. Fletcher returned and told her, Jim is crying. He's in a fetal position in his room. I asked, why is that? John said, well, he just can't believe how happy he is, how much you helped him. She said, I just wanted to pound on John. Why wouldn't you tell me what you were planning? Why wouldn't you tell me what you're doing? John said, just think how many people you're helping. He's a shepherd. And when you help the shepherd, you help the sheep. Fletcher then sought to have sex with her. He said, well, it wouldn't be fair, would it? Being I made the arrangements for Jim, and then you left me out. Fletcher had a look on his face that looked like the devil, she remembered it, and had sex with the other evangelist, and then Fletcher left. It was 4 p.m., she recalled, as he told her. I got to get ready for the show. I got to preach tonight. Jim and I are going to preach at the telethon later. Later, lying in her hotel bed, hungry and cold, she flipped on Baker's telethon. I heard John say to Jim Baker, You had a good rest today. And Jim answered, Yeah, I need more rest like that. And then Jim added, The Lord really ministered us today. We need more ministry like that. I felt like they were making fun of me right on television sweet god i mean they were they clearly were mm -hmm. these absolute sacks of shit were just mocking the woman that they had both raped just raped yeah yep mm -hmm. jim then paid her two hundred seventy nine thousand dollars in church funds do you guys remember the um uh the my pillow episode and we're like, it's, it's not, not about, about the pillows. pillows. It's just like a way to like funnel money from corporate interests into politics, into lobbyists, into people who are going to change the rules to make them profit. Well, that middle part 
the part that moves the money. That's these people. That's yeah. that's Jim Baker. Mm-hmm. That's John Fletcher. That's Pat Robertson and Kenneth Copeland and Joel Olstein and all these people. They're fucking sick. And I don't mean sick in a way that needs yep. treatment. I mean sick in a way that needs a four-foot concrete cube. Yeah. Yeah, fuck this guy. Um, then in 1986, the Charlotte Observer, which... The Charlotte Observer is the reason why things go downhill for Jim Baker. Like, honestly, phenomenal. Hats off to good investigative journalists. They started paying... Hats off to them. They started paying. They started playing, paying real close attention to Jim. In that year alone, 1986, they wrote 600 articles about him. So more than one a day. In a in a newspaper, not in like you know what we know now, like oh it's an article, whatever. No, in a newspaper. More than likely, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Jessica Hahn came forward in 1987 about the rape and the Charlotte Observer put out an article about it this would be a tipping point for their organization PTL uh, public concern started coming out now the FCC had been investigating PTL Jim's organization since 1979 and a report was finalized in 1982 that showed he had raised $350,000 for funding overseas missions when in reality he used it to pay for expensive expenses for Heritage USA for his stupid fucking water park his stupid goddamn theme park he like told people oh we're gonna like send people out to like you know impoverished areas and you know bring them the word of the lord no it went to funding this stupid fucking theme park after this the fcc commissioners voted four to three to drop the investigation oh it's weird that's That's so weird how they were like Mm -hmm. huh this guy's clearly doing something wrong fuck it isn't that weird that in 1982 um a government organization didn't want to investigate any religious organizations who was ronald mcdonald i smell hippies later a 1985 irs report was found uh that jim had used 1.3 million dollars in church funds for his own personal benefit it was recommended to strip his tax exempt status but absolutely no action was taken until Jessica Hahn's statement came out in 1987. None of these fuckers should be tax exempt, but all of them are. Nah. Mm-hmm. Jim would eventually step down as PTL head and was replaced by... Tammy Faye? Jerry oh, Jerry boy, Jerry that Falwell. guy that we're going to talk about soon. Next episode. Um, because other televangelist Jim uh. Swaggart had an Assembly of God investigation and the scandal, which... Jimmy Swaggart, uh, like, called him, like, oh, he's such a terrible dude, he's this and that, and he got caught with a sex worker in New Orleans constantly. Yep. Uh, 
Now, Jim thought that Jerry Falwell would run the show for a little while until things, you know, quieted down, and then Jim would get back on the air without a problem, and, you know, it would be fine. Um, but Jerry Falwell would go on to say a few months later that Jim was, quote, the greatest scab and cancer on the face of Christianity in 2,000 years of church history to what I say, the Crusades? I mean, yeah, it's the Inquisition. The Catholic the Church the as an organization. The Holy Roman Empire. There were genocides of, uh, uh, Basically, everything that organized Christians have done since there have been organized Christians, I would argue, is just as bad as what Jim Baker is doing now. Also, is this Jerry Falwell Sr. Yep. or Jr.? I am going to have a stroke soon. Okay. Senior. So, uh, PTL disbanded six months after Jerry became head. Gone. Now, Baker was finally served papers and had to face his day in court. After a 16-month grand jury probe, he was indicted on eight counts of mail fraud, 15 counts of wider fraud, and one count of conspiracy to commit fraud. So he was found guilty on all accounts, and he was sentenced to 45 years in prison. Jim Baker is still in maximum security prison to this day, and hates every waking moment of his life. He spends all of his time staring at the wall and thinking about how Good. wrong he was. Oh, wait a second. Oh, all of that wait, is not true. I'm just kidding. No! That didn't happen. That didn't happen. It's like he had money and was white and Christian. <laughs> yep. He got sent to a minimum security prison. Uh, actually shared a cell with uh, Lyndon LaRouche. Yeah. Our boy, Lin friend of the pod, Lyndon LaRouche. No, no. Friend of the pod, Lyndon LaRouche. Brief aside, Justin's getting so mad that we, I... It's any dumb motherfucker that comes we up had a private, a We had a private conversation the other day, and he's like, why did you have to say that Ben Roethlisberger was friend of the pod? And I said, oh, I didn't say he was friend of the pod. I just said that he was going to kill Pat Robertson. Friend of the pod. I had to censor that. If I say, if I say, if I say friend of the pod, that means they're an enemy. So. Do we have to fight one shot No, no, no. They're a real friend of the pod, but. They're not in, no, they're they're, in they're bad a real company. Pod, but I, I, I say I, I say you have to understand my inflection when I say friend of the pod. It's the difference between friend of the pod, friend of the pod, friend of the pod, friend of the pod, friend of the pod. Of the pod. One shot dungeons. One shot dungeons yeah, is a genuine friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, but so yeah, everyone should uh, listen to them. They're great. Um, and in a hearing. In a 1991 court, it was ruled that he was not sentenced correctly due to the judge's statement of, quote, Those of us who do have a religion are sick of being saps for money-grubbing preachers and priests. Apparently, that was evidence that the judge had injected his religious beliefs into Baker's sentence. Yeah, so, uh, huh. it was, uh... Turned down from 45 years to 8 years. Tammy would go on to divorce Jim in 1992. Good. And she had a rough time. But like... Okay, weirdly... 
I don't want to say weirdly, but like in a kind of odd situation, she found solidarity in the drag queen weirdly, community. Though. That's the right term. Wait, like, look up a picture. Look, okay, look up a picture of her and look at her makeup. A lot of people who are part of the drag queen community say like, I emulate Tammy Faye Baker's. Okay, so but it's look. but like the word solidarity implies that there was and she reciprocated affection. No, she she. She said that when everything was falling falling apart, the only people that were there for her were people from oh, the shit. drag okay. community. It's almost like that, you know. Like she, like low key, became like a like a like a, an icon in that community because of her look. Um, and it sucks that she was incredibly homophobic and shitty with Jim Baker in the sixties and seventies, but like people emulated her look like and people and yeah and people like like appreciated her and said hey we're like you know we're here for you which like how interesting thing good for them yeah it's they turn the other cheek yep um yep and uh so she divorced him in 1992 and then she remarried in 1993 to a man named roe messiner uh, who was a contractor for Heritage USA. But since she picks the best guys possible, he was convicted of bankruptcy fraud in 1996 for owing $30 million to almost 300 creditors. He served 27 months. Which to that I say, I can think of a more than a handful of people who are serving more time for a fucking yeah. gram of weed. Yeah. People who haven't seen daylight in years, haven't seen trial. Or, or not even just weed. Like, mm-hmm. how many black men from the South literally died in a prison cell after decades because they got charged with a crime they never fucking committed and nothing got ever, yep. you know. And this motherfucker, this motherfucker got out 27 months defrauding $30 million. Cool. Um, so... Then, in 1994, Jim Baker, with the help of Piece of Shit and Friend of the Pod, Okay, Alan, Alan Dershowitz, Dershowitz is not a friend of the pod. He killed his wife, and he helped another... He helped, like, his whole job now is helping other guys get away with killing his wife, killing their wives. Justin, there's literally a movie about it. There's literally a fucking movie about it. Jeremy Irons... I'm sorry, this is a bridge too far. He, he killed his fucking wife! He did! And, and Ben Roethlisberger's a fucking rapist! Okay, allegedly. Allegedly, Alan Dershowitz killed his wife. But he's also a pedophile who's okay. involved with Jeffrey no, Epstein. No, no, no. I just feel like this is what the pod's about now. I'm taking control. Tyler, you're taking the mic. It's, this is now an Alan Dershowitz no, episode. No, okay, listen. Alan Breeze is not a talking stick. Listen, okay. Okay, okay. So, he started at 45 years, which I think is like. For like that many counts of money fraud. It got pushed down. He got out after six years. The Dersh. Gotta trust the Dersh. <laughs> he got out after six years. He never got... He never got... Uh, of course never not. Got Why would he? He, didn't, he didn't rape anybody on record. Just just a bunch of women. So, Mr. Alan Dershowitz would say in his parole hearing that... <laughs> quote. I would guarantee... That Mr. Baker would never engage in the blend of religion and commerce that led to his conviction. Like, he'll never do it again. 
And to that, I say, fuck you, Alan Dershowitz. I got the receipts. Alan Dershowitz, I would never murder my own wife and help other men get off for it. I would never do that. Just as Jim Baker would never blend religion and commerce. Equally likely events. Yep. So, Jim Baker, once he got out, um, he moved to Los Angeles. Um, and he claimed to have an epiphany while he was in prison, saying that, like, preaching prosperity gospel was bullshit. And one of the things that he did a lot was he went to go speak at specifically black evangelical churches, which is a thing that a lot of these guys do. Because the black evangelical community is a little bit more forgiving because they understand the the plights of people. They understand that things go wrong, bad things happen, and you still have a place here. They, you know, they mean it with, with a good heart. But he would go on to help himself with that. Um, like, he... He would say, eventually, like, yeah, you know, they would help me a lot in the ghetto. I mean, that's why he did it. Like, he did it because he wanted broader, more appeal with black people. Because he'd burned a large white but audience. Also, no, 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 no. He, he had a lot of appeal with black people because uh, Jim and Tammy were never, I wouldn't say they were never bad on racial issues. Like, they were pretty solid on it they were like it doesn't like you know this shit doesn't matter like if you believe in christ and you believe in god then you're a child of god it doesn't matter if you're white or black or whatever like like and a lot of people grew up in the black evangelical community with jim baker watching jim baker on television and hearing jim baker on the radio like everyone knew him so they just kind of accepted him back into their community Farrakhan was right about what um, so I'm going to say. <laughs> but the thing the thing is 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 he he would he would get out of prison and one of the things that I feel like really um helped him here was the story of like temptation and then going to prison and then you know all of this stuff really like resonated with the poorer black community of LA because they a lot of them and a lot of people they know have been through that. So he exploited it. And fuck him for exploiting it. It's just like, it's shitty. Because he took advantage of these people and then went from there and built his fucking empire that he has now. But I think one of the things he did when he was in prison is he actually read the fucking Bible. And once he got out of prison, he, like, started going against the prosperity gospel. He said, like, I was wrong, you know, like, he wrote a book called, literally titled, I Was Wrong. 
which is better than it's at least shaped. <laughs> wow. But Damn. Here's the, thing, though. He, the book is. I was wrong to like, you know, use my position to make money, but not to you know not rape women. No, 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 no. But in that book, he totally denied. Of course, because he's a scumbag, rape. rapist, like piece of garbage. It's the one piece of his reputation that and he like, still feels he can save. Like, fuck this guy for like using a community's compassion to, you know. Great, you've described every himself. creature that's ever lived. Yeah, I was gonna say, welcome to everyone we're gonna yeah. talk about in this series. But eventually, Jim would get back on television. During a speaking event he was at, he was approached by a Alan wealthy Dershowitz. follower. And this wealthy follower, I don't remember his name, I didn't write it down. Um, offered him $25 million to make a new compound, which became Studio City Cafe in Branson, Missouri, called Morningside Church. Which, Branson, Missouri, really weird. This is where all the televangelists, like, go after they commit all their crimes and, like, go to jail and shit. They, they all, like, flock yeah. to Branson, Missouri. Do you know why? It's he fucking weird. Branson, when I was uh, Branson, wait, do you know, how much do you know about Branson, Missouri, Tyler? Branson is like the Charlevoix of the lower Midwest, but on a much larger scale. Branson okay. is like, that is like the, it used to be ritzier. It's not as ritzy now, but it was like the vacation spot. You go there. That's the place you go. It's like, yep. uh, if you're a wealthier family, you own property there. Or like you have like a, a small, like summer, small, quote unquote summer house there's like all this entertainment shit that happens there's all mm. these events and tourist attractions branson's a huge part uh, of the midwest and the upper south um, so it makes sense because like that's that's the seat that's like the heart of the bible belt is in branson yep so uh then jim would go on to remarry a woman named Lori. And she would take Tammy's place as his TV wife, and she looks like horrifyingly similar. Oh, like he's got a type. He's got a hard type, uh, but she's seventeen. Okay, at least she's not seventeen years old. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, you said seventeen. I was like, oh. It's when you're when you're old as dirt, like Jim Baker. That's still like still like a forty year old woman. (laughs) Yeah, it's she can make her own decisions. Bad decisions, but she can make them. But old, yeah. old, listen, old Jimmy, old Jimmy, oh, couldn't keep no. his hands clean. What are you telling me that he just so, couldn't stop touching women? Listen, no, no, he needed yeah, to find. It's not about money. It's gotta keep making that cash. Yeah, it's, it's all about money. It's not cash. about pussy. Here's the thing: you get to a certain point, it stops being he about pussy. Fuck. It starts being about money, and then you just come thinking about money. So he started like brainstorming. He's, he's like, he's all right, brain blasting. His I can't tell. <laughs> he's brain blasting. He's like, he's like, all right, I can't tell. I can't tell people. I can't tell people to send me money, and then they'll be rich because of it, right? Because the government's on to me. I already <laughs> went to jail. Send me money, and shit. I'll be rich because of it. Yep, he's like, what do I do now? What do I do Seed. now? The, the apocalypse. Ap- the apocalypse, of course. The apocalypse is coming. And you know what you need? You know what Jim you need? 
survival. Oh survival. <laughs> He's the OG. No. It's no, like Home even Depot. Worse, it's like Home Depot buckets full of like corn worse. kernels. It's not a, it's not fucking food. So he would go on to sell buckets of like survival rice. food on his show. But he doesn't no no. He doesn't just sell it. No 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 no. No, he doesn't just sell it. He does something smarter than that. Because Jim Baker is not paying a fucking dollar of taxes. Okay, as we all know. And the IRS is not going to give him tax no, status. Are no, you fucking not in kidding that first me? Run. So, okay. Loophole. 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 The IRS doesn't tax uh, gifts. Oh, so it's like all those fucking gray market weed places after, so if after you, legalization. If you, exactly, you pay $150 exactly, if you, for this lighter. Yep, uh-huh. So if you donate, if you donate $2,500 to me, $2,500, I'll send you eight years worth of freeze-dried food. It's a lot of food for not a bad price, I guess, but also. probably not also, all food and probably not eight years worth. It's definitely not going to last eight years. Justin... After after this episode, okay, actually everybody listening to this episode, look up Love Vic, Vic Burger. Burger's fucking cuts. Love Vic Burger. Look up his cuts of everything. <laughs> of of fucking Jim Baker showing this shit. It is horrifying because he's like, look at this like broccoli cheddar rice, and it's like neon yellow. <laughs> like it, and this even regarded like in like the prepper like community is terrible low quality like like even like the people that eat like freeze-dried people are like this is the worst shit that they call them baker buckets (laughs) i gotta go to the bathroom drop off a baker bucket later but uh as as i said before mr old jimmy mr old jimmy he loves prophesizing too. Loves oh, love false prophets. I'm gonna I'm gonna run you through a bunch of his prophecies here real oh, quick. Oh fuck yeah, hit me with it. In an October 2017 video, Jim Baker said that God will punish those who ridicule him, and he said that Hurricane Harvey was a judgment of God, and he blamed Hurricane Matthew on then President Barack Obama. Baker predicted if then president donald trump was impeached christians would begin a second american civil war he compared the 2017 washington train derailment to the sinking of the rms titanic and stated the amtrak train derailment was a warning from god he also claimed that he predicted the september 11th attack of 2001 stating that Stating that he saw 9-11 in 1999 before New Year's Eve and that there would, quote, be terrorisms and bombings in New York City and Washington, D.C. A few days, a few days after the Stoneman Douglas High School shooting, Uh... he stated that in a dream, quote, dead ass quote. God came to him wearing camouflage, a hunting vest, and an AR-15 rifle strapped to his back, and that God supported Trump's plan to arm teachers. Hey, Jim, I got a prophecy. You're going to lick my fucking butthole. I... Tyler, 
right now, you know how like sometimes when you're working an old vending machine and you start hitting too many buttons at once and it just doesn't know what to do? That's how I fucking feel right now. It's just like, I just want to find June Baker and I just want to have a private conversation in a fucking windowless room and just, you know, just really get an idea of how his ideology works out in a modern world and how you can have these prophecies and not warn anybody of them. So when COVID hit, he jumped on the colloidal silver train. And he's purple now, right? Uh, he claimed that it would cure and prevent you from getting COVID on air. Uh, several lawsuits came out of this. Oh, because no, you can't just claim shit like that. Speak, except you yeah, can. Speak of the Lindell and he shall appear. <laughs> but speak of the Lindell. His, the Lindell. But in his, in his court case, Baker is represented by former Missouri Governor Jay Alan Nixon, Dershowitz. who are, who argued for the suit to be dismissed. Nixon said that the allegations made in the lawsuit were false, stating, "Quote." Baker is being unfairly targeted by those who want to crush his ministry, enforce his Christian television program off the air. It took until June 23rd of this year for a verdict to finally come down that Baker and the Morningside Church were prohibited from saying that the Silver Solution would, quote, diagnose, prevent, mitigate, treat, or cure any disease or illness a restitution of $157,000 was paid to anyone who bought the colloidal silver from Jim's television show Jim I'm sorry but you're gonna be you're gonna be Jim declared guilty Jim you're gonna Agnew Agnew go grab Jim and you're gonna Agnew, tell him go you're gonna tell him that he can't sell this oh, I can't use all the slurs that I would use if this was a real Dixon impression so I'm gonna stop there's Jewish silver so that's what you, that's what so Nixon that's, would call it. He would call colloidal silver Jewish silver. So that's Jim Baker. Oh man. Oh that that link it's, that it, link that I posted. He's a he's a clusterfuck. Uh, yeah, that that link I posted by the way, boys, that is Reversal of Fortune, the movie about how Alan Dershowitz helped a man get away with killing his wife. Friend of the pod, Friend Alan of the Dershowitz. Pod. Alan Dershowitz, you piece of shit. Alan Dershowitz, I just want to say this right here, right now. I'd love to have a private conversation with you. <laughs> I'd love to have a private conversation about your ideology and how it works out in a modern modern setting. And I'd love to talk to you about any anything you'd really like to discuss regarding Little St. James or your connections with Jeffrey Epstein or... Ghislaine Maxwell or uh, you know Jimmy fucking Jim Baker Bill Clinton Donald Trump love to talk to you about that Dersh Alan Dershowitz you piece of garbage I'd love to see you on national television you piece of shit Ooh, hate Alan Dershowitz alright so before Colin uh, his blood pressure actually <laughs> just starts <laughs> popping out of his veins it tastes blood. Uh, like, a, like a PVC pipe that has failed <laughs> Uh, I'm like a potato go guy with legs. We're gonna go ahead and move on from this. Um, That's this, Jim this Baker. Has been God Jim damn Baker, it. Jim Baker, a little bit of Tammy Faye. <sighs> uh, 
This has been part three of our televangelism series. Now, things are going to get a little wonky with this series uh, because Tyler's going to do one more episode. We're going to talk about the Falwells, Jerry Falwell Sr. and Jr., correct? Both of them, yep. And we're yeah, going to play my stages. favorite game show. We're going to play my favorite game show. What's your favorite game show, Tyler? You'll find out That's, on the next episode. Oh, can't, absolutely cannot wait for the horror and indignation that I will feel in every word that you spout at me. All right, Jimmy. It's let's now, let's I, bring out our contestants for Are They Pedophiles? The secret is they Better. all are. Uh, is, yes. They all are. Every now, when I say that this series is going to get a little weird, like I said, Tyler's going to put out one more that is in the direct series of televangelism. Uh, then we're going to do a couple of different episodes because we're going to we're going to mix things up a little bit. Uh, and then we will likely be coming back to touch on different parts of televangelism in the future. Yeah, more specifically, like uh, current televangelism. Yeah, so more more specific uh, scumbags Joel like Joel Osteen, Osteen and Creflo Dollar. I don't know who Creflo Dollar is still. It's I still I'm still like there's no way his name is just Creflo. Who the fuck is Creflo, Creflo Dollar? Dollar? If you know who, please Creflo email us at worstintheindustrypod at gmail.com. If you know who the fuck Creflo Dollar is, because I've never heard of him. That's why I want to. That's why I want to do an episode. We also. Um, we also. It's because even you don't know anything. That's about for, and I am very plugged into the televangelist circuit because of how much I hate all of them. Um, we are. We are still looking for. Uh, you know, listener emails. We want your workplace experiences. We want your. Your. You know, your shitty, shitty bosses and the dumb, awful shit that they do, and when you violate OSHA regulations, and you know, because uh, that piece of garbage in the wheelchair in Congress is trying to gut OSHA regulations. The OSHA regulations, I don't know if you guys know this, literally written in, in the blood of workers. It is every OSHA regulation that exists exists because enough people died to write it into law. So um, please let us know about how your workplace is fucking you over in whatever way. It doesn't have to be a current job. could be a one in the past. could be one in the future you're not looking forward to. Um, we just love to hear from you. And uh, I think we're going to put our socials down in the show description. Yep, show, socials will go in the show notes. Eventually, I'll get like a link tray or something together for that, but not right now because I'm lazy. Cool. Thank you all for, once again for listening to this episode of Worst in the Industry. Of course. We'll see you next Pray week. For my yeah. Pray for Send my Send me some please. seed money, please. I am desperate for seed money. I yes, will use it. Seed. I will use it to, to plant Plant the plants with these seeds, the plants of for me to consume. That's what I'll be doing with your seed money. <laughs> All right, I don't know if we can put that on record, but just bye. bleep out the part where I said. Bye. <laughs> Kisses. Kisses. <laughs>